Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Frigo Crumbled Blue Cheese, Kellogg's Club Crackers, Coca-Cola, All Liquid Detergent, or Utz Chips, and earn four times rewards points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It is the Custard TV podcast, and because it's January, I was ill. I'm always ill every January, and so we apologise for not being here last week. But we've got on this podcast, we've got reviews of new shows, plus the start of the Rewind, which is... Rewind! Sorry, I forgot we rehearsed that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, plus, uh, I'll go with the rewind. Rewind. <laughs> you do sound more like Ray Bond from Phoenix Nights than I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, that's our look at Freaks and Geeks. If you want to watch along with us, perhaps you've just realised you forgot to do it. Pause the podcast, go on all four or Amazon. Don't get on all fours. Well, you might you might enjoy it more, I don't know. Uh, Amazon on all four, what's the first two episodes of Jen Apatow's and Paul Feig's uh, Freaks and Geeks, and then you can be part of the Rewind. Rewind. With us. Uh, also, on the pod today, uh, brand new shows, The Outsider on HBO slash Sky Atlantic, and uh, also on Sky Avenue 5, the new comedy from Armando Iannucci, and BBC Two sends a load of British people to Alaska to win a new house. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Because we're reviewing The Outsider this week, which is based on the book by Stephen King, we asked you what your favourite um, TV series based on a literary source. Luke, have you got a, a suggestion there to hand? Yeah, or? I mean, you're going to think... I know what you're going to think. You're going to think he's going to go Handmaid's Tale. He's going to go Big I, Little Lies. I, I know what you're going to think. But actually, one thing that was that was dramatised from a book that people around me had heard of and liked and I just completely missed and assumed wasn't for me and ended up really enjoying and i'm going to put in this space is the miniaturist oh yeah i thought thought that was really well adapted from what i know from people that have read the book i thought it was a really engaging story i thought the performances were really good and it was a world that i didn't think i was that interested in and it really sucked me in and i i found it really enjoyable i I don't think you got to talk about that did you because you were ill that's it was in january (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it was a Christmas, yeah, it would have uh, been January, joint, wasn't it? I, yeah. I'm going to be current and up to date, and okay, and I think uh, Good Omens, which is currently airing on BBC Two, but most of us saw it last year on Amazon. The Terry Pratchett and um, 
Neil Gaiman book, I think is really well done, has captured that essence of the sort of madcap quite well. How um, old is the book? I know the TV series is new, but how old is the book? Uh, I want to say late 80s, early 90s. Oh, okay. Oh, 1990, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I also enjoyed the adaptation of another Neil Gaiman book, and this is going back a bit, Neverwhere, which was years and years ago, and Patterson Joseph was in it, and um, Peter Capaldi, that's who I was thinking of, and it's all based in sort of the underground system, another part of London sort of thing. It's hard to get these fantasy things right, I think, and I think when TV does it well, then, then they do, it does have to be praised. What did the people of the internet say? What did the people of the internet say? Let's have a look. Um, I'm prepared. <laughs> I, 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 had it up before. I did have it up before, and then for some okay. reason I've clicked off the page. Gary says he enjoys sharp objects was very yeah. good and quite close to the book. Thanks, Gary. No, a bit of a spoiler. Now, we got Gary on next week. Oh, have uh, we? You, know. you spoiled and, me. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, okay. But I remember Gary ordering the book of Sharp Objects after seeing the Sharp Objects and saying he had to read it and then he wanted to watch it again. Let's place a little bet now on whether he actually read the book or not. He says quite close to the book, but I don't know whether he will have actually read the book. He's seen the book. The book is in his house. Maybe he means it's quite close to the book. The the book's next to the (laughs) telly. (laughs) While he's watching, the book's right there. Mo Walker says, The Magicians, based on the trilogy by Lev Grossman. It airs on Sci-Fi in the US and is on Amazon Prime across the pond. So there you go, it's a recommendation. Thank you for doing all of my homework there. Michael Lee says, My Mad Fat Diary and Pure, technically a memoir, have approached difficult topics with grace and humour. And uh, Lauren Jones says she loved... Now, calm down here a minute, Luke. I loved Safe and The Five based on the oh, Hall and Coburn novel. Oh, Christ, that just reminds me. And there's That's a new Hall we could, we could review that this week or the, this on the next pod. The yeah. Stranger from Danny yeah. Brocklehurst and, and Hall and Coburn, if I want to shoot myself. Find out so- next week if Luke wants to shoot himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> on to reviews. We'll start with, if it's all right with you, Win the Wilderness, which is on BBC Two Sunday nights. I can't remember. Win the Wilderness, colon, Alaska. Yeah, sorry, I always forget the colon. Can you guess from the sort of intro what the original name of the title of this show was going to be? No, but I'm interested. They used a certain word quite a lot in that intro package. Oh, I don't remember it. It was going to be called. It was going to be called the claim. Oh yes, who's going to lay claim to this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So that's why I kept going. Who is going to lay claim to this claim of the claim, claim, claim? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this this was then repackaged as Win the Wilderness. I wonder. Yeah, if they thought they can get a sort of series, uh, if there's sort of other remote houses, obscure remote places. Yeah. they could do it in. Yeah. So, I don't think we've reviewed, or at least not in a long, long time, a show of this nature. It would be the NHS thing would be the closest thing. I knew but... you'd know which one it was. Yeah, so the big hospital me... experiment thing. So this is Sunday nights, BBC Two. Let me set it up for you. Nine o'clock. So, nine o'clock. So this elderly couple, Dwayne and Rena, they've built their Alaskan wooden hut from scratch over the last 30 years. It's very remote. It's it's you know it's lethal for them to be there, but they've they've survived it. And now, as the voiceover tells us, with their children unable to take it on, 
they have decided to pass it on to like-minded couples in the hopes that it will live on and be preserved and someone else can get the joy out of it that they did. So six British couples are being put to the test by uh, Dwayne and Rena to find out if they have what it takes to survive in Alaska and continue the good work that this couple started in the 1980s. Now, it strikes me that this is something that you wouldn't have ordinarily watched had you not seen a bit of a teaser trail at Edinburgh. Yeah, it sort of caught me, Adam. And and when we were talking about um, Race Across the World, you know, those are the sort of shows that I used to watch. And I, I, I don't tend to watch them as much, I think, since I moved in on my own. They're more sort of communal shows, I think, you know, watching them with other people. As far as this one, how did you feel this this worked as a a first episode? I don't know how well they set up the concept in so much as... So, initially, the competition is to build your sort of habitat, your camp. So, they've also sort of set up and there's this guy uh, with a big beard um, sort of judging them and seeing how they were getting on, seeing who was sort of playing the leader roles and things like Mm. that. And the person who CJ deemed to be the the sort of the most... uh, survivalist i suppose or who he thought had had accomplished the best got to then go up to the house with the uh with the couple with drain and rena but they kept saying that it was only four couples could go up but there's six couples and there's six episodes and i don't think they explained sort of like the structure of it very well if that makes sense no they didn't at all i watched this i watched this with my folks and I, i don't think they explained it very well at all because does it end with them leaving their home to them? Like, do they do they literally say it's yours know. now? Yeah. Here's or, the keys. Do they get like a six a... month rest period? You know, they or might... is it? Are they saying we're going to leave it to you in our will? So when we can no, when we can desperately no longer cope, this this is who it's going to. I feel like they didn't explain no. that at all. No. And it annoyed me a little bit, and it annoys well, they, me now. Thinking they about. want sort of people to expand on it, I suppose, don't they? Mm. It's sort of one of those things where we want you to tell us. But, but what... I don't think it was clear whether no. it's like a prize where they go, right? You've won. Here it is. Moving, mm. move your stuff in, or whether um, they sort of give it. To I, them I get a, the impression win. it is going to be sooner rather than later. But whether mm. it's one where like the latter episodes are going to be. They've moved in now. They're going to judge that this is the right decision before they completely yeah. move out. I don't know, but what did you think? Because you've said before that these sort of shows rely on like the people that they pick. So do you think? What did you think of the couples that they that they picked? Well, I I think it's more interesting to talk about the way this, like you just said, the way this was structured because actually it didn't tell you a lot about the people that were picked. I could probably name. Um, I, well, I can't because my mind's gone blank. As soon as I said the word name, my mind's gone blank. Matt and Rachel. Matt, were Matt and Rachel were the only couple that stood out because mm-hmm. they were the only couple that well, were given more screen time because they went to Dwayne and Rena's to hang out with them. But again, that felt confused because when you don't know how and when they're going to receive the home as no. a gift, we and th- well, we, kn- saying, we knew that if they didn't like them, they would send yeah. them straight back to the UK. But then, but then they were saying, "Well, if you want to travel, that's put me off you because that means you're not going to be here enough." And and, and do you like want that. children? And do yeah. you? you know. I thought, and I, I have to say, I enjoyed it enough to keep watching. Mm. And there's nothing else on a Sunday night I'm going to watch. But I, I would say that 
there's a good show in there. It just felt a bit stifled. And a bit elongated at points. Oh, you know, where so. all you know, the the rest of the couples are sort of trying to light a fire, you know. It's... Yeah, I I think what you need as well in these shows, as much as we've become accustomed to to the way these kind of shows work, uh you need conflict. Mm. You don't need nastiness no. necessarily. I, but I you suppose there's you need the... someone to latch on to and, and that first episode at least didn't give me that. I feel they did a good no- I I feel like I know most of the couples. I couldn't tell you the names, but you've got the you know, we mentioned about Rachel, there's the farmers, there's the sort of the older couple, the police officer and the nurse. Yeah. There's the yeah. lifestyle bloggers, there's the couple who've been together for a year, yeah, well yeah, good luck. I, uh, I just found I found a little bit as well, you know, there's sort of the apprentice style let me set you a task and watch you as you go. All a bit contrived. I know the whole thing's a TV programme. I shouldn't forget yeah. that. But it's all a bit, you know, they didn't need to jump in that water and then get warm. It just felt a it little felt bit... It felt a bit sort else... of make busy, didn't it, while we yes. got this couple up in the... Because the first competition was to win something, win time with Dwayne and Rena, and, and then the second bit was just to fill screen time, really. I tell you what else I struggle with, and it's not the fault of the program. It's something that all these programs do. I don't know how to best describe it, so I use my words. Do it. Um, <laughs> these sort of programs always tell you how dangerous everything is, mm. but they don't ever show you that that's the case. So you, they're, basically, they're... basically, you want someone to be eaten by a bear. Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Frigo Crumbled Blue Cheese, Kellogg's Club Crackers, Coca-Cola, All Liquid Detergent, or Utz Chips, and earn four times rewards points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details. Well, I want them to be close to be eaten by a bear, yes. Otherwise, they're just saying this terrain will chew you up and spit you out and you'll die in five seconds. And, of course, we know there's a crew there, there's probably a, a paramedic stood by. Nothing awful is going to happen, but I feel like it was just their way of ramping up tension because they knew there wasn't I think we'll see a bear it. at some point. They kept telling you there was things happening and tension yeah. and reasons to be worried when really there wasn't, was there? Especially in that first one. When I say conflict, I don't want them shouting at each other, but no. I, I do think you need a, a sort of troublemaking pair. Yeah, they, they, they were sort of like underlying sort of paranoia almost, wasn't there? About, you know, you are friendly with these people, but they all competition. And I think maybe as time goes on, as people get more tired you know, spend more time in, in Alaska, that might come out. I think this episode you needed to... There was a lot to explain, I suppose. Yeah, and, and you but there to was a lot of... to explain. I don't think they explained it overly no. well, is my is my argument. Okay. Win the Wilderness, BBC Two... Colon, Alaska. Colon, Alaska, <laughs> because they're going to do Win the Wilderness somewhere else at some point, I'm sure. Also, how, just quickly going back, how did you... I thought there was almost too much interstitials with Dwayne and Rena's video footage did you yeah. did that no get... i didn't no i didn't actually no i thought it, you just got the right amount and mm-hmm. that never bothered me i like them as a couple yeah next up then uh we've got a brand new comedy from the team who brought us deep uh, it's armando inucci it's called avenue five it's about a disaster on a 
on a space cruise ship, for lack of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. It stars Hugh Laurie, Rebecca Front's in there. I think Himish Patel's going to pop up. Josh Gad. Josh Gad. David Wallace from The Office, I recognise. Zach Woods. Nikki Amuka um, Bird. Nikki Amuka Bird. Just a ton of people you'll know uh, all aboard this space cruise ship, which which hits a problem and disaster is on the card. I have seen four of these episodes because oh, okay. HBO gave them to me and I think, you know... Didn't give them someone, to me. Someone gives you a present, you know, crack on. And you may remember a few weeks ago where we spoke about the shows we were either intrigued by or looking forward to. This was on my list. I found this completely and utterly disappointing. Okay. Really and truly disappointing. I don't know whether my expectations were too high. There's a chance that's the case. But I just didn't care about it. It just felt inconsequential and zany and not... It didn't feel clever. Like I associate, no. I associate Armando Iannucci with clever, biting comedy. It was almost like a just a general broadcast sitcom, sitcom. that had been yeah. given a load more money to do these elaborate sets, the sets and stunts and... and things. Yeah. I watched four in the hopes that all of a sudden it was going to turn into something magical, and it doesn't, and I couldn't be more Yeah, because there's one that. big set piece where they lose the gravity of one side of the ship, isn't there? And apart from that, you know, Hugh Laurie's playing... The sort of decoy captain, this sort of PR figure. Zach Woods is the really happy. I mean, he, I, I think he was the best thing for me in that first He's episode. The Zach, best thing in, in Zach Woods as, yeah. as the sort of um, customer service chap. Josh Gad playing the sort of the visionary. Rebecca Front playing like a busybody woman. Nikki Mukabird was the sort of stereotypical suit with things going wrong around her. You know, it was very much sort of. You know, stereotypes, cliches, comic cliches that we got here. As you say, you're expecting something more from Inucci, you know, what with the thick of it and Veep and things like that. You know, you you tend to get sort of complex characters. The thing this reminded me most of, and you're probably the only other person who'll remember this, uh, Hyperdrive, the, yes. the BBC Two, Nick Frost, Miranda Hart sitcom from 2005? Yeah, five, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Which was another sort of... Brits in space type thing, you know, or everyone hapless, everyone Let's a bit idiotic. Let's test your memory. That... You know, you put the names on it, you know, the, the names of like Anucci, um, Hugh Laurie, people like that, you put those names on, you're expecting a certain quality on Yeah, it. I think that's the bigger problem. You know, had this been BBC One 830, it would have been fine, you know, maybe a little bit better than average, but... This is HBO, this is Sky Atlantic, this is like one of the biggest, you know, comedy producers, comedy showrunners, if you will, of the last couple of decades. It's, it's his first, it's his TV follow-up to V, which to has v, won yeah. countless awards and is critically loved and mm. everything. And it just felt like a bit of, a, I suppose a clever yeah. term would be misfire. Yeah, because there wasn't a lot going on behind the... The surface, that's the thing, isn't it, no, I suppose? No, And also, you, you end that first episode in quite a peculiar position where you're not really sure what the show's about. No. You don't really... Well, spent... it's sort of that they they are on this now for three years, whereas before they were there for, I can't remember, 
how long they were meant to be there on this sort of floating cruise ship, but the trajectory changes and they're there, stuck there for three years, I suppose, is the point, isn't it? But yeah, I just, I didn't feel any... There's no layers for these characters. No, it's not layered, is it? No. Yeah, and, just... and maybe that's what not what Iannucci wanted with this, but I don't think the jokes are funny enough to rely purely on the comedy and there's nothing going on beneath the surface other than no. the, sort of the comic moments. And it's not really saying anything. No, no. And it is a case of what I liked about the trailer were the best bits in the episodes. Mm. You know, there, there wasn't anything extra there that was going to keep but Did you enjoy the plates and the cups? Because my stepdad made those. Were they the best thing about it? You know what? I hated the plates, but oh. the, cups were, the cups were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> He's not had the a good. He's not had a good run of doing production design. What with no. this and cats. He's the he's the kiss of death. <laughs> Maybe if this had been from a lesser known person, we wouldn't be slating it to such a degree. But I th- it's not really a slate. It's more how you know, given disappointed. The, the talent. I'm yeah. just disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just genuinely disappointed. So it doesn't get better then. Because you gave it a good... In my, a good... In my view, I've, yeah. watched ha- I've now watched half the series and it doesn't have that sort of... You know, that Russian doll or good place yeah. turning point? It doesn't have that where you go, oh, I see, this yeah. is quite clever. It just stays very one-note, slapsticky, irritating, you know. I don't know. Uh, and I just thought a lot of the actors were wasted. Leonora Critchlow I quite liked, but she wasn't given much to do, if anything. No. Yeah, so that's Avenue 5. Wednesday nights, oddly enough, not on Sky Atlantic, but on Sky 1, which I thought was an interesting choice. I don't quite know why it's there and not on Sky Atlantic, but HBO on Sundays and on Wednesdays on Sky 1. You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com. It's time for the Rewind, our chance to revisit a show that either one of us has seen and the other hasn't, or both of us have seen, but a classic show that we want you to watch along with us, and uh, we decided to finally get on and do this, and we're going to do Freaks and Geeks from 1999 from Judd Apatow and Paul Feig. Let me play this backwards. You actually decided to do this. Was there a reason why you all of a sudden felt the the pull? I think because we we talked about it before and it keeps sort of being on and then disappearing from streaming services. So I think it seems like Freaks and Geeks only allows itself to be on a streaming service so long. At the moment it's on two. So (laughs) it was pretty much safe that you'd be able to watch it somewhere. Um, In terms of this, in terms of you know, one of us have seen it, the other hasn't. Um, you only... Wh- when did you f- watch Freaks and Geeks? Because okay. it was only recently. I think I properly saw it in about 13 when I found it on... I got it off eBay on, on 2013, Australia. not yeah. when you were 13. Because no, <laughs> that would have been 13. impossible. That was prior to Freaks and Geeks airing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I saw, I saw it in 13 because I was able to get a DVD from Australia and watch it and now I have that DVD and the American Blu-ray because I love the show so much and it looks fantastic all remastered on Blu-ray it looks really good this gave me a reason to watch it on Blu-ray so I'm pleased about that I remember watching this I think it was E4 I think showed it 
if I remember correctly, on the afternoons, this is when I was at uni, it would have been probably 2001, maybe 2002 E4 showed it. I don't know if they had the rights before that. I mean, Channel 4 slash E4 would show a lot of weird things in the middle of the day, like um, Ed, I remember watching. And it just randomly showed up Freaks and Geeks in the afternoon. I don't know if I watched every episode, so this will be a good test of my memory. When we get to it, and I don't know why I remember it so well, but there's a certain episode and a certain scene that has stuck in my memory, and it's so... It's so arbitrary as well. It's not like a really sort oh, of. Oh, it's not. Famous a scene. Scene. No, it's just like one I just. And I can't even remember one of the actors that's in it as. <laughs> it'll be one of those. I think it's Seth Rogen and, and, and the brother Sam, but I can't 100% remember. <laughs> He's um, set in 1980. Um, the school year it's a brother and sister we primarily follow there's uh, Lindsay played by linda cardellini who was previously like quite academic we sort of mm. get a hint of what she was like prior to the uh, the new school term mm-hmm. she was a mathlete she uh, was in the academic bowls you know she got a's on tests and things like that but wants to sort of redefine herself and with the sort of well the freaks of the title i suppose aren't they which is uh, Daniel, played by James Franco, Ken, played by Seth Rogen, and Nick, played by Jason Segal, who are these sort of smokers, drinkers, under the... Um, bleachers. Bleachers. I almost got there before you said it. Oh, damn it. I mean, the opening scene, isn't it, is is this couple sort of smooching on the bleachers, and then you go under the bleachers, and you've got these three there, and, and then you've got Lindsay approaching them. And then you've got her brother, Sam, uh, played by John Francis Daly, and um, his friends who are the the geeks of the title. It's uh, Sam with uh, Neil, played by Sam Levine, and Bill, played by Martin Starr. You know, they're mentioning Star Trek and Star Wars, and, you know, they sit together at the lunch table, no one's sitting with them. Should we get into the first episode? Yeah. Which is basically the introduction of the characters, their sort of arcs in terms of Lindsay, it's her being like starting to rebel against, you know, what's gone before and things like that. It's the school counsellor, Jeff, is quite <laughs> Love dismissive Jeff. of who, you know, who she's spending time with. She's cut, she cuts class. And she uh, cuts her old friend group out. Cuts her own friend. We, we get this friend, is it Millie, who pops Millie. up in both the first two episodes to sort of say, why are you spending time with these people now? Yeah. Um, whereas <laughs> Sam, there's a, um, he gets threatened to be beaten up. I can't remember the name of the bully off the top of my head. You're going to remember, remind me. It depends uh, on how much time you give me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could call you in a week. <laughs> oh, is it, is it Alan? Alan White. Yeah. There we Thank go. You, Alan. We got there at the same Thank time. you, IMDb. So he threatens Sam at first, and then as it goes on, Bill and. Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Ready Whip Whipped Cream, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Din and Danimals Drinks, Philadelphia Cream Cheese, and 7-Up to earn four times rewards points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Neil, they plan to meet him to beat him up, but then Sam is distracted by Cindy, I think is the name of the yeah. cheerleader, who he's sort of yeah. got his eye on. Uh, it's, it's leading up to the freshman dance where... Lindsay decides she doesn't want to go. Uh, Sam wants to ask Cindy. In the end, Lindsay's forced to by Jeff, the guidance counsellor, and dances with. And again, I can't remember the name of the character. The the um, Eli. The special needs child. Uh, Eli. Eli. Yeah. What What are your thoughts then, generally, on this first episode? It's, it's a really sweet first episode. Sweet without being saccharine, which is one of the things I look for because I mm. I can't do sickly sweet. American high school shows I just can't do them but this has a lot of heart to it and I think it comes from the fact that Paul Feig and Judd Apatow based these characters on them in their high school lives so it feels quite authentic from that point of view what draws me to it is the relationship that not only Sam and Lindsay have as a as a sibling pair, but also their family dynamics. Yeah. They're, they're not cliched. They're not. Oh, I'm gonna. The dad you know. especially. Yeah, not. But what, but they, they respect what happened to their. Her? He died. Yeah, she died. They're not. They respect their parents, don't they? Yeah. And they don't want to dis. They don't want to sort of do anything to upset them or or and look there, bad in their eyes. And there's this insinuation that part of the reason for Lindsay's rebellion is is the grand their grandmother dying over over the summer holidays and Lindsay was with her when she died and that whole scene well, uh, with, it, it, with it's about her picture of the grandma and, and that yeah, it, was really tenderly done. The way I viewed it, when she's with her grandma when she takes her last breath, she sort of loses faith mm. in what she's believed up to that point that we're all going to be saved and we're all going to be happy at the end and there's nothing to worry about and she's seen it firsthand and it shook her believability in things and she's looking for something else to belong to and I don't really know why she latches on to the freaks in the first instance but I think it's perhaps because they are so vastly different from the prim and proper do everything correctly when when I'm supposed to do it type that she was with before. And I don't think it's a direct act of rebellion. It's just looking for a new yeah. direction. Looking I, for yeah. like something different, I suppose. And yeah. that's... It's really well done because also the freaks, as it were, they're really likeable people. Mm-hmm. And, and they too are, specifically the character played by um, Jason Siegel, is Nick. Lindsay in male form? He's, yeah. he's looking for very insecure. Yeah, you know he's got the, the the big drum kit and things like that. He latches on to to music yeah. and things like that. There is this sort of like lingering thing, isn't there? That he's got a bit of a thing for her. She's drawn to James Franco's character more, isn't she? Well, he's the quote unquote bad boy. Isn't but he? then I but... like how they do sort of he's almost like this sort of poser type in a way, mm. isn't he? He's mm. sort he's of he's not he's not this sort of. 
mm. bad boy character. But I wondered for you what separated it from, say... Because technically it could be an episode of the Goldbergs. The mm. Goldbergs could have the same plot. But for you, what separates it well, and makes it special? It's sort of that pathos, really, as we said. It's it's not sort of out-and-out gag-gag-gag-gag-gag, is it? I suppose, no. either no. like the Goldbergs is. It's those moments of comedy, but it's more based in the dialogue. It's sort of setting up something and, and paying it off later on. I love Martin Starr as Bill as well. I think his <laughs> his lines are just sort of, you know, completely out there and we'll get to his sort of arc in, in the second episode. But, I mean, the characters do feel more than just sort of archetypes, don't they? As I say, like with the James Franco character, you can see his insecurities and everyone sort of trying to fit into a certain mold isn't it and i think the the sort of separation here certainly for me i mean you went to high school in america right i went to that one you went to that one yes (laughs) Um, (laughs) the good thing about setting your show in the past is that it never get it never seems old whereas if it was set in the present you know there's very little apart from like the music and the and the costumes there's very little of this that if they moved it into 1999 that you'd have the same effects, really, I suppose, without maybe just with sort of added technology and things like that. But I did enjoy sort of the use of I'm sailing away at the school dance at the end, you know, him thinking it's a slow song to dance to with Cindy and then it sort of gets to that fast part at the end. No, I I think it's got that sort of joyous nature to it. It's got some humour to it. And the the performances from everybody are so sort of... The word I kept coming back to is tender. Sam, for example, is almost too young to be in the situation he's in but he's sort of flus- he's sort of in there and he can't escape it and his friends are doing things in the school around him is behaving a certain way and he has to sort of adjust and i think a lot of people who have never seen this and who have decided to watch along with us might start that first episode and go we've seen this before mm. but actually if you've seen it before it may be because freaks and geeks set the the tone I suppose the only teen piece prior to this that was sort of a bit out there was uh, My So-Called Life, uh, Claire Danes, but obviously that was dramatic-centric. This has got obviously that comic edge to it as well. It's got that slice of nostalgia to it. Um, interestingly as well, um, I was looking at how old each cast member was. I don't know if you did the same, because I was just interested to see sort of where they were in ages. I don't know if you... No, I did do at the time, but I can't remember yeah. now. Who's, who do you think the oldest is? I think of the seven. If I remember rightly, I think isn't Linda Cardellini the oldest? Yes, she's supposed to be sixteen, I think. Yeah, and I yeah, and she's nearly twenty at the time. Oh no, no, she's like twenty-four. Oh, is she? Twenty-three, well, okay. twenty-four. At seventy-five, she was born, so she would have been twenty-three probably when they were filming it. If it was set, okay. if it came out in ninety-nine. Then the next one I would go James Franco, but I think yeah. that's a yeah. Yeah. James Franco. Then Jason Siegel. Yeah, right so far. Sam Levine. Oh, well done, yeah. And then John Francis Daly. No, you've was, you've you, oh, no, wasn't you, Martin Star. I thought Martin Starr was the youngest when they were. No, no, no. It's okay. it's Sam Levine, Seth Rogen, Martin Starr, John Francis okay. Daly. Is, is yeah, the it's weird how Seth Rogen has always looked like he's in his 30s. Yeah, because he <laughs> looks like one of the oldest, but he was yeah. born 82, so he would have been like 16 when they were Bizarre, born. Bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Bizarre. Sam Levine was the same age and looks like 12. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a very tender... 
first episode, and it, the job of the first episode, we said, men, men, you know, countless times, set up the world, tell us who we're rooting for, tell us what the what the building blocks are, and then you you know decide whether you want to watch more. And I think, I think it does the job perfectly. One of the things I remember reading um, subsequently when I did my first proper watch of the show, and I was like, why wasn't this? A massive hit and there were several reasons but one of the things pertaining to the particular pilot was there's a scene where Lindsay asked the mentally disabled boy Eli to the dance because of being picked on it's just another way of showing what sort of a person she is there's a scene later on where he's on the bleachers and she says you know they're making fun of you and use the word retarded yeah he says they're not I'm special I'm not retarded and he falls off the bleachers and I think either breaks his arm or mm. or injures himself in some way. I think it's and, his arm, isn't he? Because he's got a cast in the in the dance at the yeah. end. And I read, and I read subsequently that when that happened, the audience just plummeted. They just absolutely switched off and went, "No, we can't watch That's any weird. more." That's weird. I know. Isn't it Where weird? is today? That... This is, this would probably oh, yeah. be on like HBO or something. This today. would be the gold standard of. Mm this genre of show but in 99 on NBC on a Friday night at 9 o'clock or whatever this just wasn't what people were what they really wanted was the show that started well what they really wanted was the show that it started with and as soon as it zoomed away from the jock and the cheerleader on the thing people were already wavering that was a clever way of going we're not telling this story, we're telling this story. You've seen yeah. that story a million times. And there are moments, bizarreness, aren't like that, like the actual fight scene where she's sort of very sort of it's serene. It's rolling on the floor, isn't it, really? It's not a, a fight scene particularly. And, and another scene I really like in this first episode is the, is the dodgeball scene as well. Yeah. I think that's really We've well done. We've got to get out of here. I just think it's a very sympathetic first episode. It doesn't paint anybody as a loser. It just sort of no. shows shows the main. Well, that's world. the thing, isn't it? It's like the title is Freaks and Geeks, but there's, mm. the, you know, this is the label we put to these people in high school. Actually, this is what they were like. And I know certainly Paul Feig, when I saw him in Edinburgh um, last year, he was Sam, wasn't he? And he wrote it. Yeah. He yeah. wrote it as if he wanted. He always says, "I always wanted a sister." He had. He didn't have a sister. He had brothers. But this is what he feels it would have been like to have a sister. And I don't know if Apatow was more sort of the the freak side of things. I can I can imagine he was. And it's interesting that that we know that now because I've always liked the dynamic between Sam and Lindsay. It's not, you know, get out of my room that sort of thing. And it's not too sickly. It's just talking to each other and yeah. having a relationship and relating to one that, another but not would really that nicely on go into uh, into the second episode mm. beers and weirs it's um lindsay and sam's parents going out of town and um lindsay deciding to use this opportunity to throw a house party for her new freak friends that as you might expect gets sort of overblown and everybody invited and the, and the <laughs> decide they want to switch the beer keg for non-alcoholic beer because the morning that Lindsay announces the um, the party to everybody, they actually get an assembly where the improv uh, team at the school talk about drink driving and the geeks are terrified that everybody's going to get drunk and kill people and um, 
And yes, it's about them switching the kegs and everybody assuming that they're getting drunk when really the real keg is in Sam's bedroom, guarded by Bill, who is slowly getting drunk on the real thing. And again, it's it's a twist on something you feel like you may have seen before, but it's very delicately done, done with, the, with his heart in the right place. And when things start to spiral out of control and Lindsay feels like she's losing... The fight with the party that's just getting beyond her. My favourite scene in the whole episode is the one where it's it's actually Sam Levine's character that comforts her. And I think that's so sweet and genuine and, and well done. And you learn that, that he's always had a crush on her since they were tiny and it's his moment to show who he is. I so think Neil, he's really good in this episode, isn't he's he? He's really, really good. And he doesn't overplay it. It's not cringy. It's not embarrassing he just sort of genuinely cares for Lindsay in a moment of desperation and he decides to call the cops and things like that that's that's really well done and I yeah I do like the fact that they sort of want to save her don't they it's like we need to save Lindsay we don't want her crashing a car or what have you and 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 again it's not about we don't want to look bad in the eyes of our parents what will our parents say it's more Let's look after Lindsay and make sure she doesn't come yeah. to harm or embarrass herself. Or, and and you know. Sam just trying to rescue all the crockery and the and the pictures and just has everything laid out on his bed. Bill has the keg in in Sam's room and just starts drinking and watching Dallas and it's just a another <laughs> sort of bizarre. He, he's like the sort of weird avant-garde character, yes. in it, isn't he? Really, yeah. Bill. I suppose he's like the weird friend you had in high school. I think they've sort of mirrored him on and and. The interesting thing, I suppose, is that all of them think they have been drinking and, and what yeah. they're doing, apart from uh, Seth Rogen's character, who knew yeah. who knew that he wasn't drinking beer because that was that last... Like a placebo scene. effect, really, yeah. isn't but it? But he I was mean. like, yeah, I know it wasn't real, but I won all this money playing. Yeah. And again, we've got the sort of the relationship here, you know, that Lindsay desperately wants to impress Daniel and... and Daniel sort of reignites his relationship with, with Kim, played by Busy Phillips, who sort of this bully isn't she but i know again there's there's future episodes isn't there where yeah you you peel back the layers with that character a little bit as well when we had the idea i like the idea of perhaps introducing you to something you hadn't seen or vice versa but actually i found just watching something we'd both seen and particularly this show such a so enjoyable it wasn't a chore i mean i haven't watched this in years though so it almost felt like a new show to me I mean, it wasn't a chore was no, it? no no i mean i yeah. would have watched more had we not yeah. had we decided not to, to sort of cap it at at the two. two i suppose the the other interesting thing in this is that is the thing with nick where he's sort of trying to be a shoulder for Lindsay to cry on and then tries to undo her bra there's a, there's a sequence where millie Lindsay's old yeah Lindsay's old friend sits down at the family piano and him sort of starts to sing, and the whole yeah. party's like, "What is she doing? Why would you do that?" And then Nick sort of joins in and makes it more of a. And again, it just really, just makes your heart sing. It's just really a nice piece of television. I just think it's really well done. And it, but I, I wanted to talk briefly about um, going to the Freaks and Geeks school. In that yeah. I arrived yeah, in the Feb. I arrived in that school in February and um, it is a bit of a cliche to say in LA everywhere you are is surrounded by filming but I, looking back now I genuinely was The X-Files was filmed next door there was a series called Jag filmed a couple of doors up 
and I'd often see all sorts of things going out next door. So I went to school uh, for the first time on, on, on Feb in February, and there was a load of camera crew and stuff on the football field, not somewhere I ever ventured, <laughs> but I, I could see it from behind the fence, and they said, oh, they're just shooting a... Um, a new series, Freaks and Geeks. I was like, okay, that's fine. And then I saw what I now know to be Linda Cardellini outside during our lunch break filming. So they used our football field and the the bleachers and every out every outside. I don't think any of the internals were internals were sets, but any out any time they're outside at that school. It is Hart um, High School in Santa Cruz to where I went. And, um, yeah, they, they did a lot of film in there. And I, I don't really... I don't really... Because they did Never Been Kissed there as well, that Drew Barrymore. Oh, film, yeah. Which I've ne never seen. But I know they filmed that that summer. Before. Never been watched by you. Never, never been seen. When it started, I watched it. And then they moved it around yeah. so much that I, that I just couldn't keep up with it. And this is before you could you could set your DVR or your video machine to record it. So but then you, there is a big... It. Yeah, I'm just having a look now. There is a big gap between six and seven as well. Mm. And then just, they showed some out of order, didn't they? And show yeah, it would be interesting. Where, but the, the episode that I'm thinking of is episode 17, so it'll be a while before... Oh, God. <laughs> I just remember... Yeah, that's just one I remember watching. But this was in my days of sort of watching a lot of random American shows in the afternoons when I possibly should have been studying. So that is Freaks and Geeks. If we have piqued your interest then please join in on this watch with us uh, you can find episodes three and four which is what we're going to discuss next time on uh, all four where you have to watch it with ads or if you're a member of amazon prime video it's still there as well so episodes oh, three and i just four. thought one, one other thing we haven't oh, spoken on. about is yeah. the the uh, the intro do we like the I, intro to the with the I joan jet song good, good. But yeah, I love the theme tune. I didn't know until recently it was Joan Jett. I don't give a damn about my education. Yeah, I, I thought it was well done. I thought, again, it set up who they were and the geeks trying to look, you know, smart and tidy and the others just t turning up, having their picture taken and going. Yeah, intros are hard to do and they don't do them much now. But, I but they give was... you the idea of these characters in the snapshot and the sort of the era and things like that, yeah. don't they? So. Also, I like that the teachers aren't the big focus here. No. It's school life, but it's not, get to my office, so-and-so. It's not, nothing to do with any of that. I think that's uh, why Euphoria worked mainly as yeah. well, isn't it? Because you yeah. didn't get a lot in the school. Yeah. But I was saying that, I do like Councillor uh, Jeff. Yeah. And I think there is an AV teacher later on that I, I liked as well. The Stranger Things, Nick, that. Yeah. And the... uh, Everything Sucks. Yes, the the dearly <laughs> departed. Remember that. Yes, remember that, which we also liked, which I think maybe later on will be a bigger hit in our minds than. Yeah. Than it well, he certainly borrowed a lot from this, though, didn't he? Yeah. It? Yeah, freaks and geeks, all on all four now. And um, watch episodes three and four between this week and next, and we'll discuss it next time when we rewind. Let me play this backwards. Next up, it's a new HBO drama slash sci-fi thriller from Jason Bateman. He stars in this. He directs this first episode. It's from a book from Stephen King, and it is about a murder in a uh, tight-knit place where 
suspect is seen in two places at once. How is this possible? What is this show about? And does the meshing of crime procedural with later on sci-fi elements intrigue us or turn us off? You're right, there wasn't a lot of sort of supernaturalness to this first episode, was there? I mean, it's it's very much a, a procedural, this first episode. It took me maybe five minutes to get into it. I thought, oh, this will be a bit too much for me. But when, when mm. you sort of got Ben Mendelsohn's character, the um, the detective Ralph, and him sort of investigating this murder of this little boy at a playground, um, doing like the interviews, and, and at the same time, sort of in the present day, it's leading up to him arresting the um, Bateman character, Terry, the, the local Little League coach. You know, you get more and more evidence against him, and then going forward it's the case trying to prove that he wasn't there and can he be in two places at once it's an interesting sort of procedural thing there was a little bit of supernaturalness at the end but apart from that you know it did, it did feel like a bog standard mm. police investigation show you know you've got ben mendelson playing the sort of cop with a past you know he yeah. he's got a dead son He's very sullen. I mean, I love. I think Ben Mendelsohn's an excellent actor, and I think he sort of suits his sort of drollness. Is the perfect sort of antidote for Bateman's sunny persona. This sort of great dad and husband, English teacher, pillar of the community, you know, happy-go-lucky type, and and their sort of two styles meshing, and him getting a little bit more dark when he's goes into prison. I think my issue is, and I, I, I've watched a lot of these crime dramas, probably more, more than you, really, but this was from um, the same writing team that brought us The Night Of, which was the US remake of Criminal Justice. And I quite like that. And I actually dislike this for all the reasons I like that, because I've, I found that nowadays when people are telling a dark story, they feel the need to make it dark on screen and so a lot of it is sort of dimly lit yeah i find i found that such an overused dull style that it immediately takes me out of the thing because you know life isn't like that we we would put a light on in the scenario where life was that dark the atmosphere where it was supposed to be drawing me in was actually turning me off because i'd just seen it you know, done yeah. either so many times or so much better than this that it just felt more cliched than real. I just don't know. I think I think the procedural sides are good, and I agree about Ben Mendelsohn. He is a a powerful performer, but I just feel like there is nothing. Particularly I mean, in this first one, there is nothing. Apparently, um, it's Cynthia Revo when she yeah. comes onto screen is meant to be the the best thing about it, but. Obviously, she wasn't in this first episode, so judging this on an episode on its own, it was, as you say, a lot of sort of dimly lit scenes, very sort of by-the-numbers sort of police procedural, yeah. really. You know, we've seen Broadchurch, for example, you know, a small town affected by the death of a young boy. Bathed in sunshine the whole time. Though. Yeah, and, and I think it was those sort of dark scenes that sort of put me off in the beginning and thought oh this is going to be a chore I think mm. you know for an hour I thought it went it, it was well paced for, for the most part um, and I did like I thought the performances lifted it but the story 
I'd sort of seen before. And obviously, you know, you get this little, maybe it isn't as simple as that at the end. And I was thinking of watching the second episode. But again, there's so much on and so much to watch. It's not something that sort of, and there's still things that I want to watch that I haven't seen yet. So um, I don't think this is particularly something I'll be sticking with. I think a lot of people will be watching it based on the, the sort of pedigree of it being a Stephen King book. And I suppose it's similar to the style that is employed in, in Ozark as well, isn't it? That's mm, very which sort Which is of... one that I just have never no. been excited about. No. I'm not the sort of person that the sci-fi element is going to intrigue me. It's probably no. going to turn me off more. If, see, if it had gone completely bonkers, I have a feeling you may have stuck with it. Yeah, no, you know I like my bonkers. I mean, I'm not as off-put by... <laughs> John returns. To you. you might want to rephrase that. You no, know, I no, like the bunkers. Yeah, no, I do. I do like the, uh, the where it goes all. You know, Nothing. things need to go sort of full madcap or. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose you need to just... commit to the madness or yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I was intrigued maybe to watch the second one and see you know this this performance by uh, Cynthia Revo, which which a lot of people have been acclaiming, but yeah, there wasn't enough here really to draw me in. I would say. So that's The Outsider. It's on Tuesday nights on Sky Atlantic or it's on Sunday nights on HBO if you're listening from the States. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Join us next week for episodes three and four of Freaks and Geeks. Um, Also, we'll be joined by Gary next week to bid farewell to The Good Place and hello to a brand new series of Inside Number 9. And we're going to be discussing other stuff as well, so make sure you join us for that. Email us if you have a question or a query or just want to send me fan mail, uh, custardtvreviews at gmail.com. Like us on iTunes by giving us a five-star review. Tell your friends about us and subscribe to whichever, to every and whichever podcast. Rate, review, subscribe on, on your podcast app of choice. That's the one. Um, that's, that's what you should do. And we'll be back next week. Ta-ta. Bye-bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.